Are you ready as a parent, as a catechist, as a priest, as a DRE, whatever you might be, are you ready to train up your child? Because the word disciple, yes, it means student, but it means one who is taught. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. This is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined by Dave. I am the Weapon Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? Good. Yeah, you noticed my T-shirt. I always notice your T-shirts. <laughs> it's a narwhal. Do you, do you realize that that's? A oh, narwhal? I did not. I couldn't see the bottom because your manly yeah. pecs are so big it dwarfs the camera image. <laughs> I love narwhals. Uh, but that no, is I'm a doing, bizarre thing to love. That is a bizarre thing. What to do you love. mean? You they're love... awesome. What? They're so cool. Imagine Isn't their God horn made that. of like hair. Isn't no, no, horn? no. Their horn is a, it's a tooth. It's not a horn. Gomer. Oh, it's a tooth. Come on, could you watch some shows with your kids every once in a while? <laughs> ooh, kids, National Geographic. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get no, out of no. here. I think there's a Marvel movie on in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't it neat that God would create something like that? It's so it's so interesting. Anyways, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, you know uh, what? Dave, God didn't create it. Dave, God didn't create it. Blind chance created it over created millions it and millions of years. <laughs> Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, um, uh, speaking of that, I keep running into those people. I keep running into more and more of those people all the time. And it's driving me insane. Of, driving of secular, mechanistic, yeah. materialist, yeah. atheistic, evolutionary lovers. Yeah, but. Okay, but yeah, but not good ones. <laughs> like, oh yeah, they're just so sh it's uh, like shallow, very shallow ones. Yeah, and it's more of like a um, hedonistic type. But um, yeah, uh, anyways, things are going well here. We, um, you know, this is like when Pennsylvania. When I love Pennsylvania, it's like the one time a year when I'm like, oh, the weather's nice. It's cool at night. You know, yeah. it's you know, it's it's great and it's it's warm during the day. So. But, you know, the winter is coming and I will die. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I I think it's so funny because right now I'm in the middle of a category one hurricane. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is the season of sorrow for us uh, here in Houston. Yeah, literally. Um, I don't even know the name of the hurricane. What is it? Why am I blanking out? Any tropical storm came through and we had to cancel all of our kickoffs for last night and today oh okay yeah yeah just just the two days and after we made the decision to close it all because our local isd independent school district did so we had to we're like okay well we'll do it because we just want people to be safe and a lot of we pull where our church is kind of on the border of the woodlands we pull people from the surrounding cities too and a lot of those are more rural and so okay. it becomes difficult to um, for people just to get to our program. So you gotta you gotta make considerations and stuff like that. But it, it's just it's so funny because after we made that decision, the storm front started uh, hooking east and going back towards Louisiana. It's still going over us. Like right now, there's a Category One over Houston downtown proper, and we will get the dirty side in about an hour, hour and a half from now. So okay. that's why recording right now is so uh, timely and important because <laughs> well, I might when, not have electricity. When I saw you and you you changed your office a little bit, I was like, oh, no, he's like in a bunker or something. Like recording. <laughs> no, just the same room that's clean and emptied of all the stuff. I'm kind of going on a I'm, I'm trying to simplify my life. And I, I sometimes that's such a joke when I say that. But 
I really have been trying to pray the evangelical councils into yeah. my into my life, and it's a joke because the moment I see an, a shiny Apple product that I can afford, I'm like, what's poverty? What's simplicity? So um, I have done a very difficult thing, which is go through my library, and I have gotten rid of about 100 books in the last month. Now, these were books that I had to honestly say, I have never read, and I okay. probably will never read okay. these okay. books. <laughs> and uh, so what happens is um, two deacons in our general area, like four, one was 40 miles away, and no relation to the church. After they died, they had, you know, big Catholic libraries or whatever, and someone just dropped off, you know, 150 books. So, of course, I, being the adult faith formation coordinator, got to go first, and I would find all these great gems of old books and all this stuff, and then all the crappy books, all the uh, chicken soup for the pet lover's soul books, which is a real thing, and I did, in fact, put all the chicken soup books in my coworker's office when he wasn't there. Um, <laughs> uh, all those books, like, I did, there's tons of stuff like that, but there's some books that I'm like, oh, this, I would like to read this, like, historically, this is an interesting book. This is Walter Casper before Cardinal, yeah. the, the good Cardinal lost his mind and you know, other different right. things like that. So, uh, but then I'm like, you know what? Uh, life is too short. The average person who's a voracious reader only reads about 3000 books in their life, which is a sad statistic Bishop Barron said. So I was like, oh, so I just decided time to start, you know, the things I don't use in the last six months, I probably won't use in the next six months. So let's give it away. Yeah. Yeah. I Dude, I'm with you. I've, I've been... No, I mean, I very much like have that tension in me that I desire poverty, but my everything about me desires Apple products. But <laughs> <laughs> Lord, grant me poverty, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, right. But the other day, the other day, it was funny. My kids, they were kind of making fun of me because yep. I was like, I couldn't find my sunglasses. And like when we were first married, Amber bought me like real nice sunglasses, and I. And I was like real upset. I was like, no, that's like the only nice thing I own. And and uh, Sam was like, what about all your Apple products? And I was like, well, those are for work, Sam. I have to have those for work. <laughs> totally like justifying it. Didn't really? Those say. three new Apple TVs you bought? <laughs> <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so today uh, we have a good topic. I think it's a good topic. I recently... Um, on Sunday, before El Tropical Stormo came rolling through Houston, um, we did kickoffs for Life Team, and then I also had two of my five, two of my four elementary faith formation classes kicked off. And so we have to do four different times because we fill our our parish school. We fill it with kids, and we have so many that we have to do it offer the classes at four different times. So on Sunday we had two classes, and while the kids go to their first class, their parents come to the youth room, and I do a parent meeting. And in kind of trying to figure out what to talk about the parents, everyone says the same thing. I asked catechists. I asked, uh, you know, moms and dads who are involved. I asked our, our people who have run it at the parish level and our priests, what should we talk about to the parents for an hour at the beginning of their children's faith formation year? And you get basically the same collection of things. Number one, make it a priority. Number two, you know, be involved. Number three, check your email that it's not in the spam folder. Number four, uh, <laughs> number four, like, 
you know, do your best to live it at home because you are the primary catechist, right? And those are like the standard, standard kind of things. So I went and downloaded the audiobook of the the book from Notre Dame researcher Christian Smith and his co-author Amy something Polish. Um, I don't know how to say her last name. Uh, and they had a book called Handing Down Your Faith. And it just came out as an audiobook, so I got it. Of course, and I was listening to it, and then I started doing uh, reading some of the articles on how they did this massive survey and in-depth interviews about people who have successfully handed down their faith to other people, and they distilled it, as everyone is one to do, they distilled it down to the two practical takeaways that you could have. So I thought, okay, well, I'm going to incorporate this into my talk, and then after that, I'm going to incorporate it into Every Knee Shall Bow. So I came up with my talk is called The Five Crucial Questions Every Catholic Parent Should Answer. And if you're a priest, a DRE, if you're a parish catechist, if you're uh, a mom or dad or, you know, homeschooler or whatever, Catholic school teacher, I think this is practical relevance for everyone. These five questions. I love it. I love the five right away. And I can honestly say I I, I didn't write I I've never written them down. But like this, is, these are exactly the kind of things that we've talked about like Amber and I as a family of what we need in order to pass on the faith, you know? And so I, I think, I think these they're spot on. So let's go. through. Nice. Nice. So number one, number one addresses is your goal to raise a strong, holy Catholic adult, right? I think too often in, uh, I, I told this to all the parents. I said too often on the Catholic side of things, what we try to do is have a successful school year, but, and 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 everything that goes into it shapes the decisions. If our goal is this year, then the decisions that we make can tend to be more on the fun side than it is on the formation side. And so we can tend to focus on making them have a good time so that they like this year. But if my goal is a lifelong disciple of Jesus Christ, then that's going to radically alter how I view this year. Right. So I said to the parents, what is your goal for us? Is your goal for us to have your kids for an hour and fill in the gaps where you uh, where where you fail in? Or is your goal to use us as a substitute? Right. Instead of just supplementing what you do at home. So that was my that was my first way of phrasing everything. Long term discipleship. That's how we craft the year. You know, I, I think like I I'm I'm reminded of a conversation I had with one of my first bosses who it was a good friend of mine, so I could kind of push a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But it was he was a Catholic school principal. And I remember saying, like, you know, what what do you think the goal of the school is? Like, what is the goal of this school? And he kind of was confused by that, you know, which is it's disturbing. Like if you're a principal, you should know the goal of of what you're trying to do. But I remember saying to him, like, to me, it seems like from looking at the goal that what you're trying to do is make sure that these kids have enough knowledge to pass a certain test so that they can get into good colleges so that they can get good jobs, which means high paying so they can buy things and be happy. Like that was honestly the way I looked at it. And for, for a lot of people, I think parents like that's a, that's a gut check question, right? Mm -hmm. Because it really is. I mean, what is more important to you success in your kid's life or faithfulness? Um, yeah. And and a lot of very good, devout Catholic families, uh, you don't see it in the way it's lived. So uh, I think it's important. I think it's important, too. And reframing it in this way helps them to 
approach the subject from a, a totally different, I'm going to say it, paradigm. It's a paradigm shift <laughs> because so often, you know, parents' schedules are so burdened today. There's so much happening that oftentimes we tend to focus on today, this week, this month, what are all the things I have to do? And so faith formation feels like I get to check off a box of like, yes, I'm helping my kid be a good Catholic. But the problem is when we approach it from I'm getting them through their formation for this year versus, well, I need to make an adult who is a good Catholic. Like that's that's my goal. Obviously, the kid has their own personality and free will, but like that's the goal that that shapes things. And actually, where I first heard this was um, and I know parents who are listening out there, you know, when we have really difficult times with our children. That's often when we ask for help, not when things are good. Do we try to try to find answers of how to keep them good? That's a big mistake, I've realized. Uh, but, you know, we have that interior motivation to go like, okay, I need to do some more, like read a parenting book or whatever. And I heard Andy Stanley give a talk on how him and his wife raised their children. And he said, we raise our kids in such a way that we want to be friends with them when they are adults. Like, who are the kind of people that we want to be friends with when they're adults, not I want to be friends with them now. (laughs) I don't want to be friends with my kids now. I want to be their parent now, but I want them to be the type of people that I would love to be friends with when they're adults. And I love that idea because it changes the way you discipline. It changes the way you talk about things. It changes the way you approach things, that you are forming them for a future, not just for a present moment. And when you take the emphasis off the present moment and you put it on the future, it, 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 it causes you to do certain things like you pay more attention to their prayer life, right? You pay more attention to their prayer life. You don't just make sure that they can say the prayers that get them through, but like, do you have, do you have answers for the questions you have about prayer? So those are big things that change fundamentally how you engage in this. Are you practicing, you know, uh, regular habits that can carry you into adulthood? Yeah, that's, it's interesting that you, you say that. I had a kind of an eye-opening experience last week about that. I'm going to pick on my son, Sam, my oldest son, Sam, who is amazing, so I'm not picking too much. But we had like uh, this squall come through, just this terrible storm that was like, it was like five minutes long, but it was really awful. And uh, we had left like this, we have this massive umbrella on our deck, and it could do a lot of damage, like if it's like left open, right? So yeah. And it's just raining like you're just immediately soaked, that kind of rain, you know. And uh, so I'm like, Sam, we got to run out. Come on, let's go do it. And and he, like, stands at the door and he's like, well, this is a one-man job, you know. So, like, I'm doing it. And I'm like, come on, Sam, you know. And he's like, I, and I'm, I'm doing it. And he, like, doesn't really know how he would contribute, which he probably wouldn't have. Yeah. But, like, I came back in and I, like, sat down and I was like, Sam, listen you know, I love you. Like I'm your dad. There's nothing you can do that would make me not love you. But guys hang out with guys who are like, like you jump up and you help your brothers. Like that's what you do. You know, I, and that's what I want you to, I want you to be like that. And I remember thinking like when you're older, like I, that's the kind of people I hang out with. I wouldn't hang out with someone who sits on the couch while I'm out doing that kind of thing, you know? Right. 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 And also for a lot of people that, um, no, you know what? I'm going to leave it at that. Michael Gormley just stopped a tangent. Here we go. We're going on to number two. Oh, that is so rare for me. Uh, question number two, the five questions parents and catechists must answer. Number two, do you personally model the type of Catholic you want your child to be? So question number one is about them being a holy Catholic adult. Question number two is, okay, are you a holy Catholic adult? 
Are you the type of person? So when you say you got to know your prayers, are you saying your prayers? When you talk about getting ready for your first Holy Communion, do you approach your daily communion or weekly communion with the same reverence and awe that we are asking of our kids? Do you model, right? And I told them, I said, listen, I am incredibly handsome, but as a model, I can only go so far for your kids. They are here once a week. I might see them in the halls. Don't we can't outsource modeling to others. You can't outsource modeling to professionals. It is not. So you have to be the model because if they and this is where I got a little a little little edgy. Michael Gormley, little edgy. I said, if you bring them for an hour and fifteen minutes here, and then you go home and don't do any of the things you're sending them here for, what we do here doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter at all. In fact, it's even counterproductive. It attacks what we do here because it says this stuff isn't serious for adults, right? So, the, you know, it's not real life. This is just this horrible stuff that they make kids do. And then you further infantilize Christianity. So do you personally model the type of Catholic you want to be, you want your child to be? Yeah, and we're, we're going to see this now. Uh, it's going to be, this is going to be put right in front of our faces because over the next 50 years, we are going to see tons and tons of saints canonized who are parents and family members of saints. Yeah. Like there are people like St. Therese of Lisieux, right, who had her, her basically her whole family is going to be canonized, it seems like. You know, her parents are canonized. <laughs> and you get uh, a saint. You get a saint. You get a saint. John Paul's father. All, I mean, so many parents, mm. right, we're going to see there because, um, because of what you're talking about. Exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. So, and you know, we've done this so often, but, um, the, the idea more is caught than taught, right? If they see you praying, that's more important than you giving them a lecture on, they need to pray, right? They see it. And I told them, I said, as parents, you need to do a couple things. Number one, you need to pray individually. Number two, with your spouse, if you're married and number three, with your family, all three of those things are part of the modeling because when you pray as a family, you're saying this matters for us as a family. But when you pray as an individual, you're saying this matters for me as a human person in relationship with God. And when you pray as a couple, right, you're saying this matters for the sake of our marriage, right? So all of these things have to be in place in order for us to really personally model what it means to be an adult Catholic. All right. Number three. This comes directly from the research. I think this is so important. Uh, do you have frequent, unscripted, relaxed conversations with your children about God, faith, Christ, mass, prayer, scripture, et cetera, et cetera? Do you have frequent, unscripted, relaxed conversations? And I uh, have realized that almost no parents do this <laughs> like it's like a rounding error how many parents actively talk about anything religious at home yeah this was a big part of the program that i started when we started doing full uh whole family catechesis was um i the homework that the parents had were organic conversations right you you were to bring up you know just very organically in conversation different things and talk to the kids about it uh, the the easy thing is if you have younger kids, this is this is really easy, right? It's mm -hmm. it's they're asking questions and things like that. But I I couldn't agree with you more. One of the things that's interesting is how many times, even I mean, even my kids, you know, they ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. The other day they were asking about the end of the world, and I had to like literally go back and be like, wait, 
wait, what's, what exactly do we believe about, you know, the, like the, the second coming and all these kinds of things, you know, you're like, hold so, on. Okay. When the moon is in the seventh house right. and Jupiter yeah, aligns right. with Mars, then peace will guide You're going to need your blessed candles at that moment. And you want to, <laughs> I see what you did there. I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Frequent unscripted, relaxed conversations, right? So what you're doing within that um, approach of having frequent unscripted and relaxed conversations is we say relaxed because you're not trying to, you're exploring what they believe. And if it feels scripted and forced, it's not, it's, it's, it becomes a lecture and they just become passive and listen. If it's a conversation, you're asking them questions and you're letting them ask you questions. And by frequent, it's because it matters. So it should be a part of your life. Now, I started thinking about this in my own family context because we teach religion at home, right? We have incredible, we use Sophia Institute for teachers. We use their materials. We love them. It, it was, you know, a lot of Franciscan students had their hands in it. So we, like me and uh, me and my wife, um, you know, we both had, uh, or she had catechetics classes with Sister Johanna, and she was a part of the the process. So the way they teach catechetics vibes with how we teach catechetics, right? So I love it. I love the way it's laid out. It's a little bit complicated for, an, I, I think, an average parent to just pick up and go. Their whole family catechetical model is a lot easier for parents to pick up and go. Um, so they have two different approaches. But within that context, I realized the frequency of conversation around our faith was dying down the more systematic catechesis, you know, the more religion classes they were having. And so uh, by just even doing the study, I was like, when was the last time we just honestly talked about this stuff? And I was like, oh, it actually had been a couple months. We'll talk about, uh, you know, Katiri, who's my oldest, now going into uh, our, our anchor program, which is our youth ministry program. We'll talk about that stuff. And But I don't segue it into, yeah, you know, what What do you think? Where Where's your prayer life like right now? And what are some things that you struggle with or what are some things that you love or whatever? And uh, so I realized that the frequency had totally dropped away because I'm more formally catechizing. So that's one thing I would have you have you think about. Yeah, we, we do it all the time. Uh, we This is like a big, for some reason, I guess it's because of saints. Saints are a big part of our family. So we always talk yeah. about saints a lot, which is an easy way to, to do it. it high school is tri- tricky, much, much more tricky, don't you think? Well, it, it can be, but then they start asking more theological stuff than just, right. you know, the basics. And they'll, they'll they'll start asking the the questions that take more than a yes or no answer. Right. Yeah, right. That's you know, yeah. which I love. Uh, and also they'll start asking more morality questions. Right. And so th- those are things that I love to talk about. But, um, yeah, I, I realized yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I realized from doing the return series that we covered Brandon Vaught's book when I got to the. Um, discussion questions, one of the difficult things in the discussion questions or frequent objections was a lot of the parents in the room had never received any type of catechesis in moral formation. So when their kids were asking moral questions, the parents were just shooting from the hip, you know? Right. And oftentimes they say, you can say, I'm not saying those parents did, but parents often will say hurtful or damaging things. No, you know, like like if a kid asks about LGBT stuff, and the only thing the parents can say, well, it's they're they're perverts, or you know, like it's an abomination, or something that vaguely sounds religious, and doesn't have you know the the paragraphs of the catechism or different things like that, and it and it leaves kids more upset than resolved. So yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. This next one is, I think, I think the most, the most, like, I feel like this is the linchpin kind of for our society in this day and age. Yeah. So the question is, do you live by clear standards and set these standards for your family? So this comes directly from the research that they realize that uh, families that had kids who hand, who had the faith handed on to them were families that had clear moral standards. They called it, I believe they called it general authoritarianism or generally uh, general authoritative or something like that. But that, that word is very, it is very uh, looked down upon in our culture to have parents who are authoritative. But their thing is kids don't know anything about life. And we are asking them to make decisions about life based on zero knowledge, right? You don't do that at work. You know, my buddy works for, you know, uh, 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 insert cleaning product company here. And uh, <laughs> he works there. He had six weeks of training before he made a single sales call, right? Like, it's a totally different thing. We all acknowledge we need training, but we don't, but we let kids make these life-altering decisions with zero um, kind of <laughs> standard set. So our role is we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do what the mass culture does. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Because that's not what our family's about, right? And when you begin to create not a harsh authoritarian, a harsh authoritarian tends to produce very anti-religious kids. People don't realize that. The, the more constrained your kids feel, and the less freedom they feel, they will tend to react against that. But when you have this understanding of like, no, this is the more the morals of our family, you will find a lot of your peers don't operate according to that. And that's not our concern. Our concern is you and I living faithfully and consistently a way of life, a way of being in the world. That's why uh, Orthodox Jews tend to pass Orthodox Judaism onto their children at like a rate of like 75%. Whereas Catholics, it's less than 6%, right? Because our approach to rules, which we used to be, you know, the guilt church that had these rules and we had things like no meat on Friday. And now Jim Gaffigan famously said, no meat on Friday, unless you forget, nah, do whatever you want, right? <laughs> like these ways and these practices and these standards aren't being communicated. And we're always looking for loopholes. And so as parents, this is one of the best ways to pass this on in your family. Well, that joke by Jim Gaffigan is so telling. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with, with this. The reason why I said why this is so important is because people are letting life happen to them as opposed to living their life. You know, it's like you just do what's next on the list in, in most people's life. You wouldn't know. You would think that the the standard of morality for most Americans, including Catholics, is uh, can you get it all done today? Can you get the schedule yeah. all done? Uh, and I, I think that this is just like so important that you have family values that are very important to you and that those values are not just no's, but also virtues that you want to cultivate. Yeah. And you think about this going back to the first question, is your goal to raise a strong, holy Catholic adult? And if there are liars... And you say, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. Or, oh, they were just trying to get out of trouble. You don't want them to pick up the habit of lying, right? Because then they become right. liars, right? And you don't want to deal. No one likes dealing with adults who are liars. You don't want people who are entitled. You don't want people who are full of themselves. You don't want people who practice the vices and not the virtues, right? You want them to be good, holy, strong Catholic adults. 
and these are the standards that you abide by. So these are the standards that they should abide by. And But the difference between them and you is you're doing it. They need to be trained in it. And that's question number five. Question number five is, are you ready as a parent, as a catechist, as a priest, as a DRE, whatever you might be, are you ready to train up your child? Because discipleship, the word disciple, yes, it means student, right? But it means one who is taught. And if you think about this, when we think of discipline, we think of punishment, but the actual root word of discipline is teaching, right? So if we approach disciplining our children as punishing our children, we're going to create the wrong type of authoritarian uh, in their lives, right? One who punishes things that I like to do. No, no, no. We want to train them. We want to train their emotions, their desires. We want to train their habits of thinking. We want to train their ability to be charitable, generous, right? Just. We want to train that up. We want to train up patience, faithfulness, hope. You know, all of these things that are virtues in the Catholic faith takes training, acquisition, right? Doing these things over and over through deliberate education and deliberate action leads to a person who was well-formed. And it's funny because I talk to adults who say, well, you know, being, you know, choosing your religion is very important. So I want to give that choice to my child. 63% of Catholics, according to this survey, said that they uh, do not want to impose their religion on their children. No. 63%. What, what, what is the name of this Handing book? Down the Faith. Now, it's interesting because it's not just Catholics. It's So it's Latino Catholics, white Catholics, black Protestants, uh, mainline Protestants, I think Buddhists, Orthodox Jews, and Hindus in America. So it's a broad same. So they started with survey data, and then they followed up the survey data with intense uh, interviews. And, uh, you know, no, no sociological survey is, is flawless, but you end up finding right. that when Catholics view their religion as something that's so important, it's left up to the decision of the individual, what they're neglecting to realize is it's so important, I need to model it and I need to impart it. And they actually, Catholics today, feel so, I guess, a, a distorted version of tolerance that they don't yeah. believe in teaching their children. But then I would ask those parents immediately, okay, so you're telling me you don't want to quote-unquote impose, which is a pejorative term that we use. You don't want to impose your religion on your child. You want them to choose it, you know, blah, 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 and you think that respects their freedom. Do you do the same thing about their teeth, brushing their teeth? You don't want to impose because right. right. something as important as health needs to be left up to their freedom. What about eating good food? What about going to school? What about, you know, what about being a, a good worker? What about being an honest person? All of those things are non-optional. But when it comes to the ultimate thing, it suddenly becomes optional. And I think nothing, let me get a little, little philosophical here, nothing characterizes the American mindset more than that. Because America as an idea, liberalism as a political movement and a philosophical movement from the 1700s enlightenment was born out of religious wars. So they said, all right, take ultimate questions off the board, privatize it, make it your own, you know, kind of thing. But as for us and our government, we're going to be secular, right? And parents are modeling secular government ideals overwhelmingly, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we don't talk about it. That's up to them. I know what's good for me and I choose this. And this is, you're, you're waiting for them just to say Catholicism is my truth, but it might not be your truth. 
I think this comes from the habits yeah. of thinking that that are embodied in our political institutions, right? You keep big ultimate things to yourself. But when you do that, you don't actually have community. You don't actually have parenting. You have cohabitating with younger people in your house, right? So we want to make a home, right? A domestic church. So are you ready to train your child? All these things you might be like, okay, okay, okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I, I, I think that this this is like a great examination of conscience even for <laughs> even even as we're going through it, I'm thinking about things that I'm like, yeah, I really need to be better about this and that. I, I think that there just is not a lot of intentional parenting going on anymore, at least with regards to anything other than sports and academics. Yeah. I, I don't think that there's much there. So I think and and you know, I'm gonna just make this point again. I've made it so many times before that if you look at your life and and you get more excited, you get more intense, you get you put more time into things like academics or sports, th- that is a, a lesson in and of itself. If it's if it's more than than virtue, if it's more than faith, if it's more than your moral life, that is a lesson in and of itself that get kids understand like okay, this is more important to my parents than anything else. Yeah. And and I and you just you have to be conscious of that. Yes, absolutely. And so what uh, one of the things that I think we all can realize is what we say matters less than what we do. And what we do embodies what we really, really believe, right? So for instance, if you have the opportunity to go to mass but haven't gone to mass in a long time, what you do embodies embodies what you really believe. Right? right, And so your kids see the way it's lived out. It is why the word hypocrite that Jesus used so often uh, is the word for an actor, right? Because they're playing a part of something that they don't that they aren't really. So your identity becomes manifest through how you live your life. It's a basic tenet of existentialist philosophy. Don't tell me what you believe. Show me how you live, right? don't don't just pay me lip service here. Right, you can say, "Oh, religion is important to me." Okay, let me see it on your calendar. Let me hear it in the conversations around the dinner table. Right, these yeah, are the things. Yeah, these are the things that radically prove you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Five questions every parent catechist must answer. So, when we come back, we're going to go a little bit further. We already went through the five questions, but I got one bonus question that that we can prove to help Ooh. you in this context. Uh, but first, we're going to throw it out to our sponsor, wonderful people at Ascension. Um, and I want to remind you all, this is my goal. I want everyone, here's my call to action, to go online and to wherever you listen to this podcast. And if you believe it w- is worth a five-star rating, to go give us a review. Go give us a rating. That helps with the show. We are told that the magical algorithms that dictate our lives uh, are governed by such things. So the more, it's not just, yeah, we have a five-star review, but the more five-star five reviews and when it happens, obviously, it means like, oh, maybe this was a good show. And so this can get recommended that maybe Catholic parents who have been sitting on the fence with their faith uh, can actually step up and step into it and um, and and hear this podcast and, and it'll equip them. So go rate us if you think we deserve five stars. If you don't think we deserve five stars, uh, I hear Catholic Stuff You Should Know is a great show. Maybe go through the <laughs> maybe a journey with Father Michael Schmitz. All right. We'll be right back. I'm Jeff Cavins. I wrote The Activated Disciple because I know how easy it is to practice the faith and to study it 
But what if we lived our entire lives without doing what we learned? God doesn't just call us to be students. He calls us to be disciples, to look and live like Jesus. If you yearn for a life that moves beyond just studying and believing, if you yearn to become an activated disciple, then this book is for you. The Activated Disciple teaches you how to take your faith to the next level so you can become an instrument for God to transform the world. To order The Activated Disciple, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. All right, welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow, you fancy fine folks. Thank you for giving us five-star reviews. We need it, we like it, we love it. God bless you. Okay, here is the bonus question given by Dave. I am the weapon Van Vickle. <laughs> uh, this is the question, and it's, 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 it's another one of our examinations of conscience. It's, can you look back at the time that you've been a parent, the time that you have had a family, and see a change, see a difference based on the training, based on being an intentional parent, uh, see a difference for the better. Are you making any progress with your family culture, with your kids? Are, are you making some kind of progress in doing the things that we just talked about? Awesome. Always with an examine. Always with an examine. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Every Need Shall Bow. This episode, the five questions parents and catechists must answer. We hope this has been helpful and fruitful in your life. God bless you. Stay classy. Here comes the hurricane.